going to read 46 through 52. Mark 10, 46 through 52. I know you were just said it, uh, just seated. Please stand just for a moment if you can, and I'll read quickly here. Um, I'm going to read out a different, out of a different translation. Uh, just stay with me here. Uh, but we'll read Mark 10, 46 through 52. The Bible says they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar was sitting by the road when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene. He began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many people told him to keep quiet, but he was crying all the more, Have mercy on me, Son of David. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up. He's calling for you. He threw off his coat jumped up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? And he simply says, Rabbi, the blind man told him, I want to see, go your way. And Jesus told him, your faith has healed you or what you see. He says, your faith hath made thee whole. And immediately the Bible says he received a sight. We know the scripture. I'm going to try my best to just bring this to life once again for you and help to maybe encourage you tonight. To help you understand, there is, there is an opportunity we can't afford to miss. Amen. 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 I know you prayed. Let's pray one more time and ask God to help us and speak to our hearts. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And God, we ask right now that you'd use our ears, Lord, and use our heart, God. I pray that you would just go ahead and mold something inside of us, God. Allow us, Lord, to receive your word, God. I pray, Lord, let us... Let us receive your word, Lord, and let it be anointed in our hearts, God. It's already anointed, but God, let us receive it in a way that changes us, that challenges us, Lord. And let us apply that word, God. In Jesus' name, we need you right now. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. Ralph Waldo Emerson said the opportunities are like sunrises. And if you wait too long, you're going to miss them. The fact is that, that, that opportunities expire. There's, a, there's an expiration date. It's just, it's just the way it works. That, that God will allow something to come into your life and He wants to wonder if you're ready to go for it, if you're going to move on it, if you're going to do it. Sometimes we ponder so long and we wonder so long that, that we lose generations in Egypt rather than trusting God to lead them out of bondage. And, and, and thank God we find the Scriptures full of people who weren't capable. Let me just help you remember this real fast because I just feel to just remind you they weren't capable. They didn't have enough finances. They didn't have it all figured out. They didn't have enough talent. They didn't have enough know-how. All they had that was enough was God. They had God enough to get up and say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to make this work in my life. They didn't have social status. They didn't have robes. They didn't have all the things they needed to symbolize social status in their life. No, all they knew is they had a God that was able, and that was enough for these people. Amen. I've, I, I've know, I know rich people who have had a, a lot of opportunity in their life. And I've known poor people who've had a lot of opportunity in their life. I've known people who came from a pedigree and people who had no pedigree. Because really at the foot of the cross, we're really all the same. We don't have to walk the, uh, the thing that we have to walk uh, sometimes in this world and, and realize we have and we have not. Be- no, at the foot of the cross, we're all even. Amen. 
Let me just tell you that you have to seize the opportunity. Our moments are full of either what is or what could have been. You have to learn to seize those moments and you have to bring those things to life and you have to realize that that you look at, at, at life, if you're, if you're walking in, in a life of prayer, then you are sensitive to maybe an opportunity, a moment that might step up because moments are really just literally like molecules of time. They're, they're the, the, if you take time and you break it as much as you can and you strip it down, the moments are literally taking a minute or a second or a millisecond and slicing it to pieces and, and slicing it up because the smallest measurement of time is a moment and moments can change you just as much as they can change you for the good they can change you for the worse you can live your life living a good life but you can slip into sin for a moment and you can lose everything you work for but just the same you can live your life full of sin and you can slip into a moment where you say God I cannot do this on my own I can't go anymore on my own I cannot live life like this anymore but I want something from you in my life and in that moment your moment can change you your name can be written in the book of life even though the devil had a hold on you it can be changed in a moment and so the fact is and and i want you to understand the devil does not want your life he just wants your moment he just wants something in your in, in that moment. He wants to know at some point you gave him that moment. You can come to church and live for him. You can you can show up at the doors and worship him. You can dance and worship service. But if he can get you alone in a room in front of a computer and you can have a moment, that's all he needs. Because really, what life what matters most in life is our moments. So we've got to make them. We got to make them matter. We got to make those moments really, really count in our lives. And we've got to realize that there are there are these moments that step up. And and and, and I, I'm reminded. I had a, a roommate in Bible college, and and uh, and that roommate, he uh, he he was sitting around. His father-in-law. He 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 didn't come from a lot of money. Actually, Brandon was was a guy that really had a bad family situation. Um, he was from Alabama. And I remember one day a guy from Wisconsin, he, he, he had this nice little Mazda B-22 pickup, B-2200 pickup. It was a little single cab. He bought it in Indianapolis. And his aunt, who had, had some good money, bought him a new car. And so his aunt bought him a car. And so I found out that Alan was selling his truck. And in Bible college, I didn't have much money. But I just worked a full week shift. I got paid and I had all my tip money from parking cars at the Marriott. And I had... A little extra money, and I thought, I, I wonder what he's selling that truck for. And it was like a decent, like a, I forget, like a maybe a 90 or 91 B2200 pickup with under 100,000 miles. And here's the deal I asked him what he wanted for it, and he said, uh, 350. I said, what, 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 what'd you say? He said, $350. Well, I had a decent car, but Brandon didn't have a car. So I ran as fast as I could to my roommate, and I kind of regret it because I could have bought it for 350 and so to him for five or six hundred dollars but anyways um but i ran to it's logical to think like that right i ran to brandon and said hey do you have 350 dollars he said i do i said hurry with me in a hurry he ran over to this guy and he bought this truck but when he got to the door the guy said 350 dollars and brandon said would you take 300 <laughs> it was already worth like 1500 dollars at least maybe two thousand dollars the guy took 300 dollars. he didn't miss this opportunity he was a guy that i realized in a hurry didn't miss an opportunity. But here's what's crazy. 
is four years later after he drove that truck pretty much off the road and, and, and wore that thing up going back and forth and married this girl that when he started dating her didn't realize her dad was a multimillionaire. He marries this girl and they're sitting in New Mexico around a campfire. And his dad, the, the, his father-in-law uh, um, flew them out to New Mexico to Albuquerque with a one-way ticket. And they couldn't figure out why they had one-way tickets. They just thought maybe he got a good deal and he was going to fly them back with a one-way ticket. So they're sitting around a campfire and Brandon gets this question and asked to him by his father-in-law, have you seen any new trucks that you've been liking, Brandon? Now, just, just let me tell you something, Professor. Don't miss an opportunity. <laughs> well, well, Dad. <laughs> Father, I've been looking at those stripped-down um, 10-year-old rusty things down the road thinking those... No, he didn't say that. Nissan had just come out with their Nissan Titan. Just just come out. And Brandon with his Alabama drawl looked and said, well, I've been liking those four-door, four-wheel drive Titans. And his father-in-law said, okay, tomorrow we're going to go pick you one up. Literally, the next day, the father-in-law Said we'll go, and they they drove down the road in Albuquerque, went in. Dad paid cash for a four door four wheel drive, brand new Nissan Titan. He called me and said, "You won't believe what I'm driving right now, bro." <laughs> he drove. Let me tell you something. Though. Here's the thing. You can't, y'all. I thought that'd be a better story than what y'all. Y'all are like, you got anything better than that? Y'all are literally like dead. I'm like trying my best. Maybe I stand on my head and tell you that story. Y'all are like, what else you got? What's for dinner? Uh, I, I, he literally called me. I, I couldn't believe him. Here's the deal. You can't miss an opportunity. You, you, there's been so many things that we've had walk into our lives and walk out of our lives because we didn't think God was big enough to do it in our lives because we have this mental capacity of, well, we're the, we're the Pentecostal church down the road and we don't have all the, all the funds and all the things they have and we just have this and that and, and, and we, don't, we don't have these things. And so we walk with this other side of the railroad tracks mentality and we just don't think God's in the business of blessing His people. But the problem is, is you've missed the opportunity. He's desired it. He's wanted to do it. But we've set up for less when God's wanted so much more for you in our lives and so even let me just say this to you real fast even with this church building it's not something you need to say well God whatever you decide to do no you should say God we want this why because we've got to reach a community we've got to reach people we've got to reach out and let somebody know there's a name above every name and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and so I can't let this pass me by. I've got to be like blind Bartimaeus on the side of the roadside and say, Jesus, stop. That building's for us. That building is ours. You've called us to this place, and I believe it with everything I've got. Sometimes, 
Sometimes we let the crowd push us back. Why? Because we don't think. We start believing what the crowd says. The crowd has kind of told us that you're not worthy of it. You can't have it. It's not for you. And especially in a place that has some of the ideologies of this area and has some of the thinking of this area that you, you I can't believe you think that way. You think the way you think that's that's not right. And so we allow ourselves to be relegated to the side of the road and we allow ourselves to be pushed out into the area where we don't feel like we can benefit from the blessings of God. But we've got to understand we cannot miss an opportunity. We can't do it. We've got to stand strong and know that He is my God and He is a God that desires for me to have and experience blessings in my life. Amen. Milton Burrow. Had a, had a statement that has gotten a hold of me the last few weeks, and I shared this with our church, but, but it's, it's such truth, and when you align it with the Word of God, you find so much out of this. It simply says, if opportunity, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. If it doesn't knock, you better build a door. You see what happened in this text, we can find where blind Bartimaeus was sitting there and an opportunity wasn't coming his way, so it seemed. But something got a hold of him when he realized that it was Jesus. And, and the fact is that there, there's, there's belief there were, there were two men. One was noticed and one wasn't noticed because blind Bartimaeus was the one that was noticed. There's, there's understanding there was two men and there's also two Jerichos. There's old Jericho and new Jericho. So they don't know if this happened on Jesus' way in or on his way out. They don't know when it happened. They don't really, no one's really positive. The scripture lends to both ideas and it lends through other gospels of it was either coming or going out, but no one really is sure of it. It could have been that blind Bartimaeus made himself known on the way in as Jesus was passing by. And then on Jesus' way out, he got stirred and went to him. We don't know. So, so all we know though is that blind Bartimaeus got the attention of Jesus here and he had no right, uh, according According to the to the uh, people of this time to bother Jesus and to speak to Jesus. But but yet he found a way and the Bible tells us that as he began to cry out that Jesus says, call him over or bring him over to me. And Jesus goes on and he says something so true in verse 52 of Mark chapter 10. He says, go your way after he tells him what he wants him to do. This moment where he simply says, as the father law around the fireplace says what are you what have you liked any trucks he says he doesn't say lord i would just like for you to give me 10 bucks i'm hungry i would just like for you to pay my water bill i'm hungry and i need this no he looks and he says i would like for you to give me my sight back i would like for you to do the unthinkable the thing that seems so far-fetched the thing that seems so crazy some of you are, you're not even getting it right now because you're sitting back and you're saying, well, well, that was for him back then and that was, that was for that, but I'm, I'm comfortable with my infirmity and I'm, I'm set with my depression and, and I've made it all work with my, my marriage not being good enough and, and I don't know if I want God to interrupt my life in a way where I could truly be whole again. The reason why you're thinking that way is because you've not allowed yourself to experience faith in a way that would change your life. Because here's what happens. The Lord simply says, go your way. Jesus told him. He simply says, your faith. 
Your faith. Let me say it this way. Your faith has built a door. See, some of you have had the Lord locked out long enough. Why? Because you've not had faith. You've had them on the other side of a wall when you needed to have them on the other side of a door. But you've not allowed them to come through that door because you've not had faith. Anything can change. You've settled into this being the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. And we are stuck in the situation. It's just going to be that way. And you've given up on hope, as I said, for your marriage. You've given up on hope for your finances. You've given up on hope for your relationships. You've given up on hope for your health because you've lacked in faith. And the Lord says, your faith has made you whole or your faith has built a door that I could literally open up and do something in your life. We find this throughout. We find this, and I won't be long, but we find this where, where, where simply Ruth, after Naomi took her family to Moab, Moab always symbolizes, and I've talked to you this about, about this before, but Naomi took them to Moab, and Moab always symbolizes our flesh. She took her family on a flesh trip, a, a thing that was outside of God. When Lot was fleeing from Sodom, he had two children, Amon and Moab, Moab was born out of incest and a drunken stupor. And and he was born out of Israel, but yet he was a a dirty cousin of Israel. He was a broke uh, version of Israel. He was a a sinful nature of Israel. So so he was always the flesh side of Israel. Just like you and I have our spirit, we have our Israel, we have our flesh. And we have things we do in our spirit, we have things we do in our flesh. And Naomi took her family. She packed them up and took them on a flesh trip to Moab and when she got there, they begin to get sick one by one and die. And their daughter, her daughter-in-law's all left except for one. And the Bible says that Ruth tells her, you've got to be my God. Your people, my people. And she claimed to her. And the scripture says she came back with her. And when they got back to the land, that, that Naomi began to mourn. And she had given up on life. But Ruth said, no, we're not going to end it like this. And this is not going to be the end of our lives. This won't be the end of our story. You see, some of us are in a tent, dressed in black, and we're mourning. But yet there's some that came tonight that said, there's got to be something that God has for me. There's got to be something God wants to do in my life. And so, so Ruth got up out of that tent and she went up to the field and she gathered worm infested fruits and vegetables. She gathered whatever others didn't want. She gathered whatever others said was nasty and bad. She gathered them. She risked her life for a miracle in her world. And she did that because she knew they could not give up on what God wanted to do in their lives. Bible says that Boaz happened to show up one day. We drove through the countryside today just to go see this cool little community. And, and, and I, at one point, my mother-in-law said, oh, I love that path going through that corn. And I immediately thought about Boaz as those little paths are there in that corn. You can't see all the deer that are in this corn. You couldn't see a man that was walking in that corn. You definitely couldn't see a young, exhausted, tired field worker in that corn. Uh, someone just like just like Ruth. But, but as she walked in that opening just enough, imagine this aisle being an opening in a cornfield. Boaz was looking over his, his, his crops and looking over his field, watching, and all of a sudden he caught an eye and he saw somebody he didn't recognize. He looked and he said, who is that? 
She happened to stumble upon an opening when his eye came upon an opening. All because she was saying, I'm not giving up. I'm, you know what she was doing? She was, a, she was building a door of opportunity for the Lord to knock on. She was saying, there's got to be something else. She was literally getting up. She didn't know how it was going to happen. But she said, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to have some faith in a God. She didn't know when it would happen. But she was saying, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to make sure that everybody knows I'm not quitting today. So we know the story, but her kinsman redeemer, Boaz, simply said, let her come here. After he even spoke and said, drop some things on purpose, some handfuls of purpose. Drop some things, and they were sustained by that, but then literally called her in. And she did not eat with the servants, but she ended up coming in and being redeemed. We know the story. But it's an amazing, amazing reality when you realize that she had no door for anyone to knock on. So she built a door. She made a way for God to do something in her life. And we, we have to do the same exact thing. We cannot sit back and say, God, whenever you want to restore us, whenever you want to heal us, whenever you want to do this, you can do it. Just come and do it. No, he does not want to impose himself upon you. He would rather you say, Lord, I want and I trust and I know you can. So have your way in me. I've told the story so often, but it's literally been one of the stories that has changed my life but when I was evangelizing I, I, I went to Knoxville Tennessee to to Bishop McCool's church and they had in that Sunday morning or Sunday night they had about 700 or so people there in that church and they asked me to preach and I was so blown I didn't know what to do I was I was young and I was I was really ignorant and and <clears throat> no one wants to amen that and I and I, I preached that morning I preached that night after that service <clears throat> into that service I was sitting on the steps about like this and the, and the altars were full and it was just God doing a marvelous work and I, I remember sitting there thinking God you you did it tonight Lord I, I was I was stirred and I was I was just in a place of just giving God thanks for what he did and Bishop McCool comes and sits here and he and we, had, we didn't know each other that well we found out later he knew my family and I didn't know because there's a connection with our grandfathers and, or him and my grandfather but he began to tell me about their church and, and how they started. And, and they started in this small house and then they took their church to a building and he was selling vacuums. And he said, I wore a hole in my britches getting out of the car seat. So I'd jump out and I'd go knock door to door and I was selling vacuums. And he said, that's how we funded the church plant that we did. And, and he said, we found a building finally. We, once we, we got this building, he said, we had a, a large step, not like this quite, but it had been a high step for the elders and some of the, some of the ladies in the church, they had a hard time getting in there. They had to pull themselves up. And he said, we needed some stairs. And, and he said, I, I, we had no money, literally had zero money. And he said, we weren't sure what to do. But he said that I went and I, I got one of the elders in the church. And I asked him to come to the church. And when I asked him to come, I didn't know what we were going to do. But I said, let's meet early in the, in the morning. And they met at the church about 7.30 or 8. And he said, I, I didn't have money for, for lumber, so I tore down a structure I had in the backyard and I took the lumber from that structure and I brought it to the church and I, and I got some screws and I, I put together a, a, a form for some, for some, for some stairs and because we needed some good stairs. And he said, I didn't want just some, some decent stairs. I wanted some good stairs and some good, some good steps really is what he's saying. And, and, and he said, we're going to get some concrete steps in front of that church because we want them to last. And, the, and the, the elder in the church said, do you have concrete coming? He said, No. He said, you're going to order it. He said, no, I'm not going to order it because I don't have any money for it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, 
But he goes and he builds a forum for him. Literally built a, built a door for opportunity to knock on. Just built a door for, for, for God to come in and knock on. Some, you see, if you build it, God will fill it. Some of you haven't built it yet. On Monday night, you ought to go out and build it in the parking lot. And just see if God's not going to fill it. Because that's what, that's what he did. He, he literally got down and the elder was watching him. And they began to work together. And after about an hour or whatever it was of building these, this, this form, he said, I'm not even a good carpenter, but we built this thing. And, and he said, hey, we built it and then we sat in front of the church like this for hours and hours and hours. And the elder looked at him and thought, you have anything? He said, no, I don't know. We're just going to sit. We're just going to trust God. And, and he just trusted God because he had a door now for God to knock on. You see, if he waited on God to open a door that wasn't there, God can't do that. But you have to build a door sometimes for God to knock on because our, our faith has to be in order of God's action. And, and if I don't have faith as a door, then God can't walk through it to provide. And so he built a door. He said, we were sitting there and Sister McCool brought, to, brought him a, a sandwich and she had a little look on her face like, is you guys done yet? And he said, babe, we'll, we'll be done in a little bit. But they ate their sandwich and then they threw the trash away and they sat there and, and, and Bishop McCool's a feisty little guy. I keep moving because that's what he'd have been doing. He'd have been moving real fast, kind of jerking around. He was real quick and he'd have been talking real. He's just a real kind of kind of hyperactive guy. And, and all of a sudden he said about 2.30 or 3, we see a big concrete truck. When I heard this story the first time, I thought the same thing you're thinking. Here we go. This is when, like, the gospel music starts playing in the background. The angel stands up. You know what I'm talking about? We all envision it. Someday our, our, it's going to happen, and here comes the, the choir. It's going to be in the background. Uh, that's not what happened. He said that truck needed to go right into the church parking lot. Instead, they took a left into this neighborhood. He said, I thought, there it goes. He said, but I didn't, I didn't give up and say, well, let's go home. He said, I stayed there. He said it was about 5 o'clock. They sat there all day long. Did small things around the church, but sat there in that spot. He said all of a sudden I looked up, and that big truck was at that stop sign where it turned left. And he said, I looked in the, in the, in the windshield, and there was a man on the, on the right side, on the passenger side. And the man on the passenger side was looking, and then he goes, he pointed over at us. And, he, and that's the point where the choir starts singing, by the way. He said they drove that big truck into that parking lot and didn't, didn't take long for him to get to him. And these guys pull up and they shut that truck off and they said, excuse me, is the pastor around? The pastor was sitting right there. He said, I'm the pastor. And he said, I've got a random question. He said, but we had, to, had a late order and we're over here pouring concrete. We both live right here real close to this neighborhood and we have to take all this and dump it and clean it out on the other side of town. And, and we'd have to drive all the way over there and then we're going to hit traffic trying to get back. And it would save us some time if there was any place that we, would you mind if we dump some concrete on your on your property? Bishop McCool said I was sitting there and I, I set up and I said, Yeah, if you can dump it right here, that'd be great. Hallelujah. He, he said, he said, Paul, I kid you not. He said, the biggest mistake I made when we moved from that church to the ch the church we were in. That night, he said, I should have picked up those steps and taken them with me. He said, because when they took that scraper and they scraped that last bit off of that sled, he said, when they took that last bit, it leveled out that top step. He said, I didn't need one ounce more 
or one ounce less of concrete. God knew it. Let me tell you something real fast. The key is sometimes you've got to build a door. You've got you to build a door. You have to be at a point where you say, God, I need you in my life right now. I need you to do this in my life right now. I need you to help me right now. I need you to do it right now. God, I cannot go without you. I cannot make it without you. I cannot live without you. I can't breathe without you. And then when he comes to you and says, what is it that you need? You can't throw him something that's not big enough. You've got to give him what he's asking for. You've got to simply say, God, I need my eyesight. I need a change in my life. I need you to do this in my life. Why? Because the moment you do that, you give the Lord something to walk through and let you give him something to do in your life. Sometimes faith is work. Sometimes faith is testing in your life. Just in closing here, this story of the widow had nothing left. She had no hope and opportunity was gone. Why? Because there was a drought in the land. Bible says the prophet comes to her and simply the Lord spoke to her and the Lord spoke to him. But the problem is a lot of times the Lord's speaking to two parties and it takes two parties to, to act upon that and put action and allow faith to take over. Scripture says that she was out gathering of sticks, gathering what she needed to go inside and bake her cake. Scripture tells us that he comes in and, and says, you're going to have to take care of me first. You see, sometimes that, that, looks, that looks tough because it, it's hard because this is, this is, we're, we're, living, we're living in a world that's upside down from the kingdom world. The kingdom world, you get ahead by staying behind. You grow higher by, by becoming less and going lower and you increase by decreasing and you you get more by giving more is that sound is that all right some of us get tightened up when we hear about giving but the fact is that the principles of god are that you have to oh why because when you give you're building a door for him to walk into do something in your life he's prophet comes and says you have to take care of me first and here's the deal i don't want you to see this this prophet wasn't a brash can I say it this way? It wasn't a brash jerk, if I want to say it that way. Sometimes we see this as being a, a move that was almost, as almost like harsh. Why would you do that? No, he was doing what God called him to do. God instructed him to do. Why? Because he knew that if she could have the power in her and have, have enough faith in her to trust God, that God was going to change her life. And he had to do what he had to do to save her life. Because he knew that the only way she was going to be sustained is if she follows the word of God in her life. So he comes and he speaks to her and says, simply, you've got to do this first. And she goes and she gets a cup of water. Well, here's the deal. There was a drought in the land. And so water seems like a lot. But the fact is, she was going to die in a couple of days. So water wasn't a lot. It It was something, if I can say it this way, something she could afford. She could afford the water. Even though it was a commodity, she could afford it. So she gives a cup of water and he says, okay, thank you. Now do you have any cake? Now, this is something I can't afford. Why? Because I have plans for that. Sometimes you've got to take what you have plans for and build a door. It shows, it shows that God's, 
gotten your attention, that shows that you trust that God's going to do something better. Why? Because I had, I had plans for it, but my plans don't equate to your plans. And so even though I had plans for this, and I had this allocated, and I had this set aside for something else, I instead want to set this aside for you. And so the Lord, the Lord worked on her heart and let her know he was coming. But she still had to act and let her faith guide her. And the scripture says that she simply went back in. And I imagine she did not do this joyfully, but I imagine she did it willfully. And she probably wept over that cake as she was making it. And she needed that thing. She put her time into it. She had made many, many cakes for family events and for maybe your husband who was already gone. and Maybe her sister, whoever it was, she had made many cakes, but never a cake like this. And so she put her effort into it. And yes, she was heartbroken, but she was also somehow deep in her spirit, excited because she knew the Lord was about to walk through a door that was not there before. And if she could just get through this by faith, that God would do something in her life. And so sure enough, she brings a platter and she brings a cake to the man of God. And the man of God eats that so skillfully made And the moment she put it in his hands, the Lord simply began to knock. The Bible says that the prophet told her that no longer, as long as there is a drought, will you have any need in your life. As long as there's a drought, you're going to have all the oil you need. You'll have all the meal you need. You'll be supplied with water. You will no longer. So literally this woman went from making plans to die, to now having more than she's ever had in her life. Literally, the moment she took meal out of the barrel, the barrel would level out again. The moment she took meal out, the barrel would level out again. It constantly replenished itself. Why? Because she built a door of opportunity for God to walk through. Some of us tonight, now whatever this means to you, some of you tonight need to take something you've already made plans for. And you need to say, God, I'm giving this to you. Don't get all, don't get all worried. I'm not going to have the ushers come or anything like that. But that, if you feel to do something, that's up to you. I've not been commissioned by anybody to do anything. But I do want to say right now, some of us have made plans for certain things in our lives. And we need to trust God and say, God, I'd rather you do something with it than me do something with it.